Hello everyone, welcome to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett. We haven't said this in a while. Co-sponsored by Wordhouse Incorporated and Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. And you could throw in focus consultation services if you wanted to. <laughs> Carolyn, I would start out with an obnoxious question. No, sound. Oh. Yes. Like, ah, that we've somehow, oh, yes. yes, got it wrong. But I won't do that because I have come to realize if I did that every time we got something wrong, every broadcast, every podcast, we'd probably start out with a, ah. we somehow got it wrong. That shows we're human. But I was thinking about <laughs> Thinking about, we got all twisted with the whole Elijah thing and and the Philip, the comparison, the the Elisha, the Philip, the comparison, and you know, and all that stuff, and the the leprosy and who came and Gehazi and all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. I was I was thinking, it is though. I mean, you could as you read the Bible, it's just there's so many parallels and so many stories that overlap that uh, I am sure that as much as we want to be accurate, there'll be plenty of opportunities to acknowledge mistakes that we've made, but I don't know. I will probably wear our listeners out, and probably to some extent, I would hope, they would be cognizant enough, right? And even as they recognize our mistakes, they would understand that we're trying to do the best. Honestly, if you could call it that, and sincerely with uh, some degree of concern to make sure we don't even the words, I don't know about you, but I have to watch. Sometimes the words I use, I'll just start repeating the same words over and over again, same concepts. And so You do yeah. that? I will say, as a disclaimer, that when I said Naaman and the leprosy, I was questioning that in my head. So if that's a mistake that we made, I was already red But that's what will happen. You, yeah, that's what happens, though, is you get to thinking about it. You say, did I say that right or didn't I say that well, right? Well, when I said it, when I, and you said leprosy, and I was like, was that Naaman? Something about it, I was like, is that right? But that's what came to me, but I... I don't know. I didn't check it out. I didn't go fact check. So I don't know if it was right or not, but I questioned it when I said it. Mm. Well, we will forgive you, right? As much as we would want to be forgiven. Yes. Because that's the best approach. That's right. So Uzzah. Uzzah? I've heard it pronounced both ways. Uzzah. Touch the ark. Drop dead. David, they were trying to bring the ark to mm-hmm. Jerusalem. You know, and I, I, Second Chronicles, I think it is First Chronicles, Second Chronicles. I was reading that again this morning, and I got to thinking, okay, that's all good, right? And David got upset because he couldn't figure out what was going wrong. But that's all good. David had really good intentions. And then I got to thinking, and we've discussed this on the podcast before, broadcast before, about the order of things, and God is into order, and you know the idea of sanctification, and only certain ones could actually handle or touch. Mm-hmm. But I got to thinking, you know, David wanted that, and I'm sure it was out of the best possible motive that David had, but I'm not sure that is the entirety of that story of Uzzah or Uzzah or why David got upset. And the reason I even began to think that way was that David wanted to build the temple. 
And really, the response wasn't, oh yeah, David, build me a, a temple. God kind of told him, I, I, I don't, I don't want to live in a box. <laughs> I don't want to live in a temple. I want to live in the people. I want to live in their hearts. I want to come out of them. That's, that's intimacy. Mm -hmm. Come out of them. Uh, inside of them. Not that they would go into a physical place to find me, but I would be already within them. But I don't know that David got that really well. Now, again, he probably got upset because Uzzah dropped dead. Mm -hmm. And with that, probably the idea that it stalled the movement of the ark to Jerusalem. Uh, and with that, then, I can't remember whose house it, it hung out at, but wherever they took it and parked it, it was blessed, right? Mm -hmm. But I still think David was missing the point. He had yet to really get God fully inside of him. And maybe that was the disturbing element to David's being upset. Now, of course, that's, that's all speculation, right? This is, this is the beauty of our program, the wonder of our program. This is true. Is that we wonder about everything, right? What does it mean? But you know, I also thought, Uzzah had to die. But we all have to die. David had to die, at least to himself, right? Because True. until he died to his own selfish ambitions, and if that were part of David's selfish ambition, then he needed to die. But maybe that was the part that was really hard for David to understand. Is that God didn't want it to be about what David wanted it to be. The right order was it had to be about what God wanted, but it wasn't to be in a box. And it wasn't to be created to, literally, to Jerusalem. And, and then it wasn't to have a temple built. Right? So that, that he could reside in a temple. Because that's not what he wanted. God. No, but that's what happened eventually. Yeah, you're, gonna look, you're looking it up so we don't have to fact check it. <laughs> I want to read about Uzzah. I'm, I'm, I apparently I don't know how to spell it either. So I, don't <laughs> I don't know. I think it's U-Z-Z-A, but I may be wrong on that. Uzzah? Yes. Uzzah, I like Uzzah better. <laughs> Isn't it Ezra? Well, we, yes. Uzzah. U-Z-Z-A. You're right. And he was buried. I'm close. So I'm thinking about, you know, Solomon and the temple and how that... I know that's a little bit fast forward, but it reminds me of when he didn't want them to have a king and they wanted to have a king. You know, give us a king. What's well, been the message all along? We just want what we want, and he knows God's better. not outside of us; God's in us. Right. But we yeah. don't realize that because we're too busy wanting to put God right in, in a, a box. box. Right. And then somehow we get easily tricked. Not somehow. That's obviously how we get tricked by the devil mm -hmm. into believing that God's not in us anymore. Right. And that somehow we've walled him off, or shut him out, or pushed him away, or that we've got to put him in a house of his own. No. <laughs> God wants to live with you. Well, he, he dwells in you. He's created a temple for you, which is your human body. But it isn't that he wants any separation. We, we are, dare I say, we are as close to being one and the same mm -hmm. with God as Jesus is one and the same with God. I in the Holy Spirit. Change my prayers a little bit in that because I don't know about you, if you've ever prayed for God to be with you and, you know, I need you to be close to me, those type of phrases. And I really sort of changed my thought process in that, in that He's already 
in me so I don't have to ask him to be close to me because he's as, somebody once told me he's as close as it's going to get he's you know and it's not and then so a, a parallel like a I guess analogy sort of is like when you're married you, you're married but 20 years of being in marriage you know that person better right you, you're more you know them better than you did when you first married them you know more intimacy you know them really well but you're not more married for lack of a better term do you see what I mean you're not so it's not like uh, you know I get saved ten times over you know every time I ask for forgiveness just that we are closer together but he's still in me. Does that mm. make sense? Mm -hmm. um, so I just have kind of changed my prayers a little bit because I realize he is here. He is helping me. And I have to I have to learn to see how to accept that rather than to choose to see it in my own eyes, how it, how I perceive what's happening, mm. be it good or bad, like judge it, good or bad, because I can't tell what he's doing. So I have to accept and kind of walk in that. Or even as much as trying to determine what he's doing mm -hmm. seems to be a bit of a danger right? because it already begins to presuppose that we're going to start to number the people. Or that we, yeah, and that we know better, also, or that we know a better way. Or, well, that's that's the whole point. Remember that yeah. the idea of David. Don't say, take remember. the census. Yeah, yeah don't take did. the census. And we've talked about the remember part. Was we talked about that on the program, and mm -hmm. we've kind of scratched our head and think thought that that was really the problem. Mm -hmm. It wasn't necessarily just what he did with Uriah or Bathsheba. It was David was already thinking he was going to do what he wanted like, to do. Yes. Or out of some sort of attempt to do right. what he thinks God wants him to do. Right. Which gets us into even more trouble. Let me take this ark and to a special place and, you know, but that's not what he requires. What is obedience is better than sacrifice. So. Well, it gets back to your marriage thing. Would it not be a marvelous thing that you and your significant other, your partner, your spouse, your husband or your wife more specifically, most specifically, were to stop thinking so much in proximal sort of terms or material sort of terms and begin to realize we should start with we are one mm -hmm. and then things will otherwise kind of have a manifestation of proximity or as far as closeness or mm -hmm. movement, you know, spatial kind of stuff. That's why I picked that word. Uh, or, or just material sort of manifestation. But it wasn't that the ark was at the person's house so much as for whatever reason, God was blessing. But I don't know that he didn't bless where the ark landed after Uzzah dropped dead and David realized, or Uzzah dropped dead, and David realized that he wasn't going to be able to get it to Jerusalem in the manner that he thought he was going to. Mm -hmm. There was an order to it. But if you could begin there as you were talking about marriage, would that not necessarily then be the most marvelous thing that you would right. discover? All heaven and earth has been given unto you out of the Holy Spirit with this condition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you let God do all the ordering. You don't order it. You allow God to order it. Or if it takes some search, some sort of uh, introspection, yeah, look inside. But God doesn't wage war against himself. House divided cannot stand. But he's going to coordinate that 
with all those involved. Ah, oh, but we have ideas about how it should go. Mm. Yes, don't we? Well, what if we did it this way? Or what if we did it that way? Or what if we... Wouldn't this be great, God? <laughs> I just feel like we try to help God. You know, we try to throw out our ideas. And really, it's what we want. I mean, if we probably were really dead honest about it. You know, it's probably more in our comfort level or easier or maybe we feel safer so we're going to offer up our suggestions to God instead of just saying whatever you want thy will you know we want to throw in our two cents so this is like kind of way out there and sort of way off the mark so I could look at you and say drop dead Carolyn because I want you to do it my way now I would never say that to you right I'm trying to see where you're going with that because so, David was kind of saying that. He doesn't say that to Uzzah, right? Because Uzzah was cooperating, mm -hmm, right? And mm -hmm. he was trying to do the best he could to get the ark to Jerusalem. And maybe there's, again, all kinds of backfill, other contexts that I'm just not aware of that might have fed into that. But I think at a very superficial, sort of basic level, they were doing something right. And how do I know that, that David had not got the message? Because it perplexed him. He could not understand. If this was all to be his, why wasn't it working the way he thought it should? Mm -hmm. And though he did not say that to Uzzah, he was about to say that to God. And I think really God doing that with Uzzah or Uzzah kind of highlighted, David, who's really pulling the strings or mm -hmm. calling the shots? Not in a bad way, in a good way. You're not... You just need to understand what's in the box is really not in the box. It's in you. You just thought it important to put it in a box mm -hmm. as a reminder. But when you start to mistake what you put in the box for what's inside of you, then you start to worship the box. Right. <laughs> you know, and then, then, then that's certainly not going to work. Then you build like a temple around it, and then all of a sudden it becomes a god of, you know, human creation. It's no better than any of the other gods and then look where that the were crafted went. with human hands. Right. And look what happened to the temples. I mean, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't supposed, that was not going to be the eternal throne. That was not right. going to be the eternal seat of judgment. That's not where gonna, the mercy seat's going to be eternally. It was never there. It was never there. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really hard to say because it was never there because it was always inside of us. But for us to understand it in our human dimension, we always had to put it outside of us. And then in that, we always gave opportunity to the devil mm -hmm. to manipulate the circumstance. So the minute I stop thinking that my wife loves me or I love my wife, I'm beginning to get out of godly order. And somebody's going to die. Now I could look at her and say, drop dead. Because <laughs> we're going to do it my way. That would probably not be the thing to do, though. That doesn't mean I can't argue the point or can't think right. about it or can't ask questions because, you know, I'm not fully there. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure it's not something about her dropping dead or... But it is. Job had those kind of conversations with God. I mean, he all but argued, you know, he made his points. And I don't think it's wrong for us to question or even... I don't want to say argue with God, but I definitely just don't think... I think He knows how we feel. And I think if we want to be really honest, and I think He can handle it. Otherwise, we put Him back in the box. Well, I better not yell at God because He might get upset or, you know, He might cry. 
I think he can handle it. So, But don't be surprised if though there may be something huge and dramatic mm -hmm. that goes along with it. Well, then therein is the problem about what you said, the order. Maybe if David... <laughs> had done a little bit more consultation, maybe they wouldn't have made that trick, maybe Ezra wouldn't have dropped it and died, I, I don't know, but maybe I need to talk to God more about it first before I try to make my own determination as to what to do. And that is a slippery slope, mm -hmm. tricky mm -hmm. maneuver, if only because I think both sides of that are important. Mm -hmm. Because we do have to navigate in a more material dimension, but it does not matter if we're trying to do that, as would be then, we would be trying to do that on our own and to the neglect of consulting with God. So there's two sides to that. And even with that whole idea about building a temple, I think it was Nathan that David was talking to, and, and <laughs> Nathan was really polite. He said, do whatever's on your heart. David, and then he went home and he prayed about it or he had that dream or whatever God spoke to him. And then he came back with much clarity, which wasn't necessary to say David's heart was wrong because David was a man after God's own heart. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that was after God's own heart like he showed God's heart or he was chasing God's heart down still. And I don't know where that line is, right? There's a line of maturity where you finally get to the point where you realize what we're talking about and then you're no longer in the Old Testament. Now you're in the New Testament, right? Right? Because all of a sudden what begins to, uh, you begin to appreciate or begins to be uh, revealed to you. There's insight and awareness is... Despite my best efforts, and in that to really sabotage God's best efforts, mm -hmm. God still has worked with me to bring me to an awareness. But when I was a child, I couldn't conceptualize it at all. God inside of me, mm -hmm. Jesus inside of me, I had to put it out there and move it around and you know, make, make pictures of it and develop schema, whether it's more material like drawing or if it's in my brain or I have to come up with a paradigm or have to come up with rules or narratives. And that's not, that's not that those things aren't important because I think that's the predicate of the Old Testament. We needed that and God helped us by giving us that. Mm -hmm. But that's not where it was the end. It wasn't the end in the rules, right. so to speak. The rules only took us to an awareness that it's inside of us. There's still going to be calibration. Hopefully we won't drop dead. But, you know, if, if that really is a requirement, is that I can't touch that until I'm sanctified, and the only way I can be sanctified is if I die to myself, maybe I should want that. Mm -hmm. Now, again, if it's marriage, I don't know that I'm going to go to my wife and say, you know, let's just go ahead and take care of this right now. I want to die to you completely. And trust that God is going to then speak to you in the way that otherwise would be best for us. And I'm just going to patiently allow all of this to work its way out. I don't think that's the answer either. And it's, that's the tricky, that's the slippery slope. Mm -hmm. So what is it? Do I let my wife and do I trust her? God gave her to me. Right? Mm -hmm. She's tries, right? Should I just trust that God's going to lead it, guide it, direct it? Should I insert myself in it? Should I put my hand upon it? Should I, should I build monuments to God 
are really monuments to myself and claim that they're to God. Because really that's what David was doing. It was sort of like validating everything. Well, I've God's here. He lives with me. He's in Jerusalem. I, you know, I don't want it to make it sound like David was evil. That's not what I'm trying to say. But he was human. And how do I again know that? Because he got very upset. And how do I again know that? Because Nathan come to him and said, you should not build a temple. How do I know that? Because the moment he started to get into the king's head, just like Saul, and started to number, to measure, to manipulate. What was it? How did you put it earlier? You did it, said it wonderfully earlier. It was about what he wanted, right. not what God wanted. That's when it all started to get messed up. And I don't know that he even saw it then. I think he was still in the mindset that he was doing something good. And how often do we do that? We think we're doing, like I said, we're doing God some favor, but we're doing something right or we're helping God, but he doesn't need our help. And if David had just listened, <laughs> you know, how different, but we know how the story went, but he was, he was the only one ever called a man after God's own heart. And I kind of always saw that as him chasing after God's heart. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I... <sighs> Sometimes I would love to have been there, like when these conversations happen, just to be like a fly on the wall and just see this happen because, you know, the Bible, anybody that says, I know there's parts of it that are slow, but anybody that, you know, hasn't read the Bible, I would encourage you to pick it up and look at it because it's full of dramatic stories that would make great movies. If we well, <laughs> yes, and if you try to understand it all, mm -hmm. and, and I don't know, I think I've known these pastors and preachers. Jay Vernon McGee, we'll use him as an example. Mm -hmm. I used to listen to him on the radio. How would you ever think he did not know? He knew. He studied. Now, again, my disclaimer is my doctorate is not in theology, right? So I can kind of use that as an excuse because I did not do hours and upon hours of study of Old and New Testament mm -hmm. and probably did not spend as, as much time as I needed to or they tried to encourage me to in memorizing all those verses. Mm -hmm. I'd be the one that would come and it come time to recite them. <laughs> Either I would come and I'd blow it or I wouldn't show up, right? For the Sunday school class. Wow. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not minimizing that at all. Mm -hmm. But what I am saying, though, is, it, uh, is isn't it, though, great that we don't have to know every detail mm -hmm. that the Holy Spirit, even as Philip and the eunuch, every detail, because what's going to happen is God's going to provide, not the man, but the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. To reveal unto us. And would, it, would we be surprised to find out the Holy Spirit's been with us all along. We just thought he had to send a man. Or we just thought it had to come from somebody else. Or we just thought it had to come from a rule. Or we just thought it had to come from some exegesis. We just thought it had to come from some memorization of a verse. Which is again, not to take anything away from any of those studies. I admire and respect J. Vernon McGee. I, I would prefer to listen to him to anybody today because I would know that he would say that factually and out of the right mode or spirit. I'm just not J. Vernon McGee, but if I compared myself to him, I'd be Uza. I'd try to put my hand upon that and I would drop dead. 
And I don't know that our listeners really would appreciate it because I'm not sure I can say it in the way that, that I really need to say it. But it pains me that we don't get it right. That is incredibly difficult for me to have to admit. But what am I supposed to do? Just shut up and not try or not share the word or not share what I do know? So that, you know, that somehow I don't become either part of God's plan or some vessel that he's going to use in some way. Because if I did that, then it would just stay parked at that guy's house. I can't remember who the guy was at the house. He's got had a name. Some, for some reason, I want to think it's like, I forget who it was. Um, Elizabeth's husband. I can't, it almost sounded like the one that, that dropped dead because he got drunk that night. And I think it was Elizabeth. I don't remember. See, here we go. Here we go. I know, and that's going to bother me too. But you know, I was thinking about about that all those times when you said the Holy Spirit was there. All the times that something could have happened to take David out. You know, Saul threw the arrows at him, and and he dodged or whatever, and he escaped it. I mean, I just don't understand how he Nabal. 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 I was thinking Nabal. that it sounded like Nabal or Nabal. Was that Elizabeth's husband that was David's first wife? Because he came and they wanted... Oh. I can't remember. But that's my point. See, if I were Uzzah, you know what I would do right now? That was me falling to the floor. (laughs) Dead. And I don't want to minimize it, but it is more than being a man after God's own heart if that means that you're not going to stop. Even if you don't know everything, just don't number the people. Or if you've got a Nathan that's going to come along and share, or even better, that was Old Testament stuff. Now we've got the Holy Spirit. One Nabal, but it was I think the name was something like that. But now we've got the Holy Spirit that we can rightly claim inside of us. Mm-hmm. We don't have to go to a temple to worship the Holy Spirit. We don't have to go to a temple to worship God and experience the Holy Spirit. Thank the Lord. And the, I thought about the, because you know how I'm a visual person, I was thinking about the veil being torn and about the priest going in, you know, the little rope on his ankle or whatever he had it on, wrist, you know, in case in case he didn't come out, you know, the jiggle or whatever, he would, you know, so somebody would know that the other person was alive, you know. and But the veil being torn, you know, we don't have to, we don't have to go through that anymore. We don't have to go through a priest, we don't have to go to the temple, can you imagine living in I don't know I ponder all these things like living in that time when you had to bring your sacrifice to the temple I'd actually probably like it if I were part of the because team it's a, because it's a yes. you can do it's easy it's clear cut it's us and, we know yeah. mm-hmm. I'm part of a team yeah. yeah but it never it never set well with me I never could find that place because rather than thinking that there was a man that could do that <laughs> Too, too much of a contrarian. I'm always thinking, yeah, but, but. look at what you do over here. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and you know, and that's the point. You know, we're pretty transparent and it is incredibly painful, right? <laughs> but at the same time, though, what do people do in the privacy of their home? Even Jay Vernon McGee, which doesn't mean he was evil. I do not want to speak sacrilege. I just know humans are humans. And if there is any reason that we are sanctified, it is not of ourselves, but of Christ in us. Right. Lest we think we put him on a pedestal and, you know, he's the next Jesus. 
I think we have to go there and look at it that way. We have to see, and that's the beauty of the of the Bible. We have to, we get to see, not have to see. We get to see David. We get to see the the confrontation. Don't build this. You know, don't do this. Um, you're the man. I mean, you know, there's so many parts that David went through, and we get to see it all kind of in hindsight. But to watch him live that out and see what happens. Um, well, guess who else gets to, me, to see it's it all? Beautiful. My wife <laughs> and Tim. Not together, of course, and not only about me, but my wife knows all my evil. <laughs> my wife knows all my problems. Yeah. My wife knows all my struggles. You can't find it. Well, and that's the thing, and they're still with us, right? So, well, I guess, yeah. right? I mean, that that is, I mean, sometimes it seems amazing, right, right. that they're right. still with us. Well, and I've come to a point now. We'll be married 25 years in September. Mm-hmm. You believe that? Yeah, congratulations. Hard to believe. I know. I think that's the silver anniversary. Yeah. Yes. So September 13th, I expect everyone, all of our listeners, to acknowledge. <laughs> And we'll be registered. No, I'm just kidding. So I think that there comes a point, and and I think you can apply it spiritually too. The Holy Spirit knows what you're trying to say. You know, Scripture says that. But I think there comes a point where you can just say, and you just become freer. And I, I don't know if it's just age or if we're more comfortable with each other, or maybe just I'm more confident in myself. But then you can just say more like, I really don't like that, or I really don't know what you're trying to do. <laughs> you know, you can just be more honest, but I, I think it crosses over. I mean, I think we have to live like that. I think it's part of living authentically. Well, and, and maybe that's the whole idea. I'm sorry, you cut you No, I just think it crosses over to our spiritual life, because I don't think we can be authentic in our... It's all one life. There's no, like, separate life. That's the point. We right. want to somehow separate it and right. compartmentalize right. it. Right. And, and we want to bring the same kind of compartmentalization to our flesh from our spirit. No! They're one and the same. Right. So but the order of it mm-hmm. is it's spirit first... And then we've got to deal with the flesh. Mm-hmm. And is it easy to deal with the flesh? No! Do you hit rocks? Do you put the, the, the Ark of the Covenant on a cart and you're halfway there? I don't know how close they were. Mm-hmm. You're halfway there. You can just see it happening. Mm-hmm. You're going to finally establish the kingdom in Jerusalem, the city that God gave you, that you took from somebody else, that God gave you to establish His kingdom on earth, at least the first footprint. Mm-hmm. Prayer Jabez. The first step... Right? It wasn't the end. It was like Abraham stepping out, but it was a continuance, at least in David. It was like the first real establishment of all of that. And then it doesn't quite work the way you planned. That happens all the time. And then you have to realize it's not about the flesh. Mm-hmm. I hate it that Uzzah died. He's in heaven, I'm pretty sure. But the idea, though, is I don't like the idea I die. Mm-hmm. I don't want to kill somebody else. That's the problem. That's the thing that bothers me the most is that I think I'm, as I get older, I'm beginning to appreciate even more. I hopefully have always appreciated to some extent that I do not want to mess with somebody else's head or, or take them away from God in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, in my immaturity, I am sure I have said things and people have seen things. And I just had to thank God that it either didn't kill me or kill them right. before they finally got another chance <laughs> listening to Jay Vernon McGee. Right? But I'm 
much, Hayford and McGee. But I challenge you again. Mm -hmm. Who really is J. Vernon McGee? Well, he ain't Jesus. Or if he is Jesus, it's the same stuff that is in me. Mm -hmm. But when you start to think that you're something more, when you start to think that this is all about you, mm -hmm. when you start to kind of relish that, is that the word? Mm -hmm. That you kind of like look at that as evidence, it's your badge, it's your credential. You know, and, and I, I wrestle with that whole thing too about credential. Because I don't want to say Dr. Michael David Clay with any expectation of necessarily giving me additional credential. But at the same time, though, I don't want to be chopped liver. <laughs> or I don't want to be somebody that nobody listens to because the whole world is tuned into something right. about a credential. Mm -hmm. Therein lies the, the two-edged sword, the balance. So in God's eyes, that really doesn't mean anything. I'm sure being king really didn't mean anything to God. Right. Because his king, the king, mm -hmm. Jesus the king, mm -hmm. our Lord and Savior, did not get a throne in that sense. Right. The Davids did not have men to conquer or take lands. Did not necessarily have to receive some material endowment to feel confident enough to trust God. You remember when he was out in the street dancing? Yes. Uh, was, he, was he naked or did he almost naked? And then his wife, um, was it Michael, looked out the window and was like, he's crazy. <laughs> well, the king going out there Of course, that was Saul's daughter. So, so the idea that, yes, that, yes she that had Michael? a little bit of a, an axe to grind yeah, but, with him. But, but it is that idea, though. It, if we're not careful, and it's, but at the same time, how can we be so careful? It's just impossible right. in a human dimension. Mm -hmm. But I think probably what we do need to do is realize that when that moment comes, we should heed it. And that's exactly what David did. Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Now, did he really take it to heart in the way that we've been, no metaphor, no pun intended, metaphor intended, but no pun intended. Did he take it to heart in the way that we're suggesting, not only chasing after God's heart, but allowing God to fully manifest himself in his heart? That didn't happen, I don't think, until Jesus comes. Right. And we accept Jesus. But it only happens then because we've got to enter into Jesus sufficient to get through our own death. Mm -hmm. And how many times do I have to die? Ask my wife that. Mm. You can hear, I lost count. <laughs> you like to point that out. How many times do I have to make a mistake before I finally humble myself to realize... Good thing God doesn't keep count. Okay. <laughs> I remember saying something similar to my husband. Well, if you haven't, yeah, so I was going to say. I just haven't thought it. You've uh, not said it, you probably thought it. Yeah, well, I just said it's a good thing that, um, and it wasn't a very nice statement. I'll preface it with that. And sometimes I've been known to say some not nice things. But I was. <laughs> getting at the point of it's a good thing that God doesn't treat us the way we treat each other sometimes. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't being mean to me. He was just making a statement. An observation as he likes to call it. And <laughs> I think that's just code for judgment. But but who's... Tim's going to listen to this and I'm going to be in the doghouse. But 
I just was trying to make the point that we... Cindy's going to listen to this. She's going to start shouting, Hallelujah! <laughs> He's finally been healed. The Holy Spirit has finally gotten into him. Oh, he can find... No, she would say <laughs> Yes, so dramatically. But isn't that what we think? Oh, I'm so... Oh, smack ourselves in the head. I am so glad you finally got it. Mm-hmm. Now we can get on with life. We're wrong. Right. <laughs> Right? Maybe there's some correction you need, but it ain't mine to make it right or wrong. I'm not saying it isn't mine to add or contribute to or that God couldn't use me. Right. Because he used David. Well, and that's when I got convicted after I said that to him because I thought, well, it's not really my place to say that to him. That's God's place to talk to him about that, lest I become just like what I'm saying and be the judge, you know, be the judge of that. So I think, if I remember correctly, I think I apologized after that and said, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that. But I think we, it's so easy for us to to point the finger, and even at David. I mean, there's so many times when, you, you know, like, what were you thinking? But how many times do we find ourselves in the same spot, well, making the same decisions, going to Jerusalem, packing up, isn't yeah. this going to be great? Yeah. And then somebody dies. Yeah. And then we act shocked. <laughs> well, and, we, and I, I think David, not that he was believing that he was the only righteous man, but believing, though, that God would reward righteousness mm-hmm. and did not want to disappoint God. I'm, I'm right. confident that that motive was there. Otherwise, he would not be a man if it's God's, God's own heart. But it is still difficult to admit that you've blown it. Mm-hmm. And to do that in a manner or a way that otherwise has some degree of, of correction, God can use that then to correct not only in you, to reestablish, calibrate, straighten out mm-hmm. all the crookedness, sanctify, consecrate, but so that he could then also use that as a testimony to right. other people. Exactly. But that's really what we should be reading when we read those stories. Mm-hmm. Not that I can't believe David did that. Ah, right. oh, man, right. I hope I never do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I got to be careful because the minute it falls out of my mouth is the next moment is when the devil's going to come along and tempt me with it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I was thinking the same thing because... How many times I, you know, if I had a good intention and then, and it was more about me and it wasn't even, you know, and, and God will, the Holy Spirit catches me on it so quick. And there was something even recently, even um, with you that I had to, I think I texted you about it. I probably couldn't have called you. And, and I just said, you know, I'm sorry, I failed. And I have really struggled with that for like half an hour trying to tell you that because I didn't want to say it. And that's the that's the beautiful part of it is that, you know, the the grace that you showed me. Thank you for that. But being able to be, uh, there's a testimony in that because then we can share. I feel like with David, so many times I mess up, but yet, but yet, you know, there's this, there's this transformation that comes about. And that's what makes him a man after God's right. own heart, too. Exactly. And I, I love that, knowing not only there's forgiveness and grace, but just knowing that something good is going to come out of this. It's not it's not um, proper grammar, but it's not for nothing. You know, Romans eight twenty eight. But I, I just, I love the whole story, all parts of David's story. So I'm sure that you will have experienced this. I'm confident. I didn't tell Tim to drop dead. <laughs> I didn't say you did. <laughs> Only you would know, though, Tim, whether she really thought it, right? I'm sure there's someone, though, 
that did not want to disappoint you and would have found it to be so incredibly painful, as you described it, to go to them and say, I've messed up, not again just out of vain, vanity, some sort of human vanity, that they didn't want to admit they were wrong, but they didn't want to disappoint, they didn't want to let down, but you still had to call them out on it, but the more that they did not want to admit that, the more defensive they became. You couldn't speak to them. The communication completely broke down. You could not get the message. They weren't listening. They were so busy trying to defend themselves and protect themselves. And I know that sounds selfish when I said, but I'm not sure that that's the entire motive. They just don't want to do the wrong thing. Right. It is so difficult to correct that person mm -hmm. because you know at once their heart's good, but at the same time you know they don't have it yet. Mm -hmm. They don't understand it yet. Mm -hmm. And with that, then it becomes something of not only a breakdown in communication, but it also breaks down the communion because that's when you hide. Mm -hmm. Right. That's when you hide from God, as it would be Adam and Eve and God, or me and God, you and God, you and Tim, me and Cindy. It's just the same way. I think I've shared with the audience before and you that my son, one of the things that was the hardest thing for me to teach him, and it still pains me to think about it, was that he didn't want to look me in the eyes because he wanted to be different when I called him out. And I don't call him out a lot. You and I were kind of teasing a bit about that before we went on air or sat down to, to tape or record, not tape, but record the program. But I had to. I said, you need to look me in the eyes. Hmm. And it hurt me because when he did, I saw his pain. Mm -hmm. And I realized I had stripped away his defenses and he was vulnerable. Hmm. And I want to cry now. Mm -hmm. It's painful. Mm -hmm. But you have to do it. But why I bring that up is God does that. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. It hurts me. And I'm not good at that with other people. Because there's, there's that, again, slippery slope. You have to do that in right balance, right measure. But it helps if the other person isn't afraid of you. Mm -hmm. And isn't afraid of the judgment. Or isn't afraid to admit they're wrong. Or to say that they failed. There's far worse things that you can do in life than fail. Namely, to die. And not only to die, but to die eternally. I'd prefer to go before the Lord. And even if it requires that level of emotion that I felt telling you that story mm -hmm. about me, not only about him, but it was about me. And I think that was the whole point about David. It is better to do that now and to find correction than to live a lie or to get caught up in the king's way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Not David, but just that royal way of thinking. That holier-than-thou way of thinking. That I am somehow the person who knows all the word, the J. Vernon McGee kind of character. So I just dispense with that immediately. I'm not J. Vernon McGee. J. Vernon McGee. I'm like Horton, here's a who, I'm the little speck. And I know that that sounds almost trite when I say it that way, but I don't mean it that way. I just have to maintain that perspective. Not necessarily with everybody else, but I certainly have to start with God. Mm -hmm. And I went to God first before 
um, I texted you that text and was like, I just felt led to do that because I thought, you know, I've got to confess. So I might as well go to God first. <laughs> I say that like like it's some kind of thing, but it's it's not when you realize that He is doing it. He's asking me to look Him in the eye because He loves me. And yeah, I'm vulnerable, but it's for the better. And I was thinking when you said that, uh, that slippery slope, and I was thinking about how just last night I asked my son, I was like, you know, um, when he was hospitalized, and it was not a pretty time. It was at River Park, and it was not the best times that we had. And so it was difficult. And so I was asking him about it, and this has been like, I don't know, almost 10 years ago. And I was like, Connor, does that bother you? Do you... Um, you know, do you still think about that? Or, you know, I was trying to get out of him, like, how he determined that time frame or how he how he framed it up. And he, and I said, you know, does that, does that make you think, did you come to the conclusion, you know, that me and your dad, like, do you think we made a right decision? you think we made the wrong decision? Like, how, how do you see that now? And he said, no, absolutely not. I was a little surprised by that. He was like, no. He was like, you had to do what you had to do. And this is the thing. He said, but I was able to go in there and see. And he was like, and now I know. And I can talk to other people. Mm. And so it gave him like a testimony. Yeah. And he, you know, he has this um, information, but he also has this level of confidence. Like, you know, and he knew that he was not in the company. You know, some other people were like, <laughs> seriously, uh, a lot bigger problems than what Connor had, and and going to jail. Mm -hmm. You know, there was kids there. He saw taken to jail while he was there, and so you know he he saw a lot, but he learned a lot, and then he's able to share that. And so he was like, "No, he's like, if anything, I'm grateful." And I thought, "Oh my gosh, this is the first time I've ever heard this," <laughs> but I didn't expect him to say all that. But I'm just sharing that because something that I, you know, he could have easily refer back to that time as, you know, yeah, well, that was awful, or, you know, I don't know what you guys were thinking, or, you know, something like that. But instead, he took it and and using it for good. And I just, I'm so pleasantly surprised about that. I'm happy that he can turn that around. And I think we could do that, too, if we would choose to, but we don't always choose to, because it's much better in our human, our flesh, to wallow in the in our circumstance and complain about it, rather than then, then looking God in the eye and saying, yeah, I did it. I'm the man, and I'm sorry. Yeah. And that's so hard to do. It is. It's hard, and it's hard not only God, as your point is, it's hard person to person. And, mm -hmm. and yet at the same time, I want to say, and I believe most times it's accurate what I'm about to say, that it changes the heart of the person. Mm -hmm. Because they're not then having to establish that you did it wrong because you're cooperating. Mm -hmm. You're giving into. You're admitting it. Yeah. Do you know, you do, but for the sake of our listeners, I'm going to ask Maybe it this I way. Don't. Do you know, though, as you know, that's a better way. Okay. As you know, that's the hardest thing about helping people when they come see us. Mm. 
they have a very difficult time believing that we could be that receptive or that open. And even though we are really nothing to them in that way, in some ways we are though, because I think some people come to see us with the belief that somehow we're the standard, you know, for what's good or what's bad or what's healthy or not healthy. And <laughs> though they know they need to be there, they're really not entirely sure that if they tell you everything. Mm -hmm. And then I spend, if they don't, I spend the majority of my time just trying to get them to be honest. Not necessarily just with me, although it helps, but with themselves. And to just say, you know, I wouldn't be here if, I, if something had gone, that I had not gone wrong. Right. Me being here probably is some representation of a struggle. Mm -hmm. But the struggle is not, as your point, the struggle is not a bad one, especially if it's done in love, whatever the feedback is, and with the best efforts to capture the word, to be a man or woman after God's own heart, mm -hmm. and to allow the Holy Spirit, more than just me and you, to really minister to them. I think that's a big step for a lot of people. It's a leap of faith. You know, they have to put themselves out there. They have to trust that when they do cross that line with you, that they, you know, are open. They're going to be honest that we're not going to retaliate or judge or laugh at them or whatever. But it puts them in a very vulnerable state. And that's the beauty of it. And that's what I want people to understand about covenants is that when you come in, there's none of that uh, agenda to um, try to, you know, get people or manipulate them to a, you know, vulnerable spot so we can, aha, you know, <laughs> you know, point their, their problem out to them as if they didn't already know what it was. But I believe just being able to listen and accept the problem for what it is and then on some level of understanding, I said that to a patient today. He said something about being stressed over something and, and, you know, had a bad weekend. And um, I said, well, it probably wasn't the exact same situation, but just the details he gave me, I said, it, it wasn't exactly the same, I'm sure, but I do understand what you're talking about. I have been there. And I hope that your week gets better. Well, they don't have to question that about me. I'm not being smart, Alec. I'm going to sound a little bit more lighthearted, but I'm not being smart, Alec. Maybe it's a bit funny. Because I'm not good at hiding that. Oh, man. You know, I get the all the time. I get it from everybody. And you know me. It's painful. I do not like it. I don't either. But it is better to live there mm -hmm. than it is to live in my ivory tower. It's better to exactly. live there than to live in my bubble. Right. It's better to live there and, <laughs> and know my limitations and my failings so that I do not take you down with me. Mm -hmm than it is to live in some pretense that I know it all or that I've got all the answers mm -hmm. or that I've got all the verses memorized or that I have a degree in theology. It's almost apologetic I say that because I know that that should be, even if it weren't a formal degree in theology, you should know the word better. But I, I promise you and our listeners, I study it, I listen, but I am so easy to get all of those things crossed at some point mm -hmm. that if you measured everything by my ability to recount, maybe as I get older it becomes harder, but to recount the details of it and specifically, but if you want me to know 
find God in it <laughs> or allow the Holy Spirit to really manifest not only in biblical terms but to translate that into more human dimensions I'm the man <laughs> because I'm chief among sinners mm -hmm. and I don't say that to disarm the criticism I say that because I'm embarrassed by the criticism I'm humiliated but humble right. humbled Right. By that fact. But there's no one that's going to be more critical of me than me. Hmm. Which I don't know that that's good. <laughs> right? But at least it keeps it between me and me and me and God. Mm -hmm. For the most part. And my wife. Who never ceases to fail to remind me. Whether she says it or not. I just wake up in the morning and realize, what have I done? <laughs> right? And, and, and God convicts you. What in the world have you done? Yeah. And well, there's no way there's no way out of it. She's going to be there too, like we were talking about at the beginning. So it's not going to be something I can forget or pretend or move on from. Mm -hmm. But if there's any merit, great merit, that has to be some of it. That she don't let me off the hook. Not because she's mean. I need accountability. Right. Otherwise, I'm going to be David. And I can't always count on Nathan coming. Or that I would ask Nathan to come. Well, God uses who's in your circle. You know, and I, I know he's used my family, my children, especially my children. I hate, I hate, sometimes I just, you know... <laughs> I just shake my head and I'm like... I had to remind God. you earlier though, all that stuff coming out of your kids, a good measure of it was what you put into your kids. Oh, thanks. With okay. the Word of God. <laughs> well, the good part. Yeah. Yes. When they hold you accountable or as they otherwise, because you got some great kids in the sense that I've heard them yeah. and, and that Word is strong. Thank you. It's solid. Solid. The you. Theologically sound. But it's a strong word and it comes out of genuine integrity on a spiritual soul level. Now again, everybody's got outward things. But your son said that today. We tend to measure people by situations and circumstances, not by the person that they are. And Isn't I thought, that... I, I, I thought just, that was so profound. I know. I was so proud of him for that too. Because you, know, you want your kids to, to get it. And then you just sit back and wonder, did they get it? <laughs> do they get? Do they still get it? They're 25. Did they get it? But um, yeah, and it's just interesting how God will, whatever we're going through at that moment, you know. And, and right now, that's <laughs> something that I'm working on. There's two things I'm working on, and my daughter is just like, oh, and she keeps reminding me. And uh, sometimes I get tired of it, and I'm like, okay, God, you know, until I really get it. <laughs> just go keep bringing it to me so I'm working on that but it's um, sometimes I get frustrated but then in the end what's the alternative do I want to you know <laughs> do I want to end up you know let's go count the people let's you know then start my own little road show and, and do all these things for, for God um, or do I just want to humble myself and say you know, I, I really screwed up, and I have all these ideas, and they're probably not from you, but I need your help. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's the beauty of it, is well, we can go to him and yes. say those things. And even more beautiful that he answers then all those prayers, and why should we, again, find it amazing once we get out of the way 
the answer is already there. Mm-hmm. We've just, like David, like it's been before Jesus and still is for a lot of people, right. even after Jesus, as they are being, I guess, as they're maturing, as the Holy Spirit is, is growing them, as they're being cultivated, sanctified. Mm-hmm. They still don't always get the fullest picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if there's anything bad, it's me. It's not Jesus in me. Right. But right. if I can confess that and give mm-hmm. him ample room and opportunity in the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, he can do great things with me. Mm-hmm. And I can't measure them. <laughs> right. I just have to know that they are and trust mm-hmm. that they would be because... Not necessarily that I want to say I'm a man after God's own heart, but God created my heart, so why would I not be a man after His own heart? Right, right. So we think it amazing. Oh, David is a man after God's own heart. Yes, it was, because he had a choice. He could have not been. Right. He could have been Saul. But that's, I think that should be our goal. I mean, yes. people are aspiration. about it. I mean, that, as, a, as a follower of Jesus, that should be our goal, to follow God's heart. So if folks want to get better... Mm-hmm. They can come in and see us. And if they're a person after God's own heart, we'll do everything we can to allow God's own heart to minister to them or point Mm -hmm. out where that answer is already in them. They just are not seeing it for what it is. Mm -hmm. How do they get a hold of us? Well, you can give me a call, 304-528-9220. You can look us up on Facebook under our page, Covenants with an S. Or you can email us, that would be nice, at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. And though our listeners may be a little perplexed over the fact that we've not had a guest in several podcasts, we do have one, we think. We have two guests. (laughs) It's a two-parter. It's a two-parter. It's a two-parter. We've never had that before. Yes, part one, part two, maybe two programs, I guess is what you're saying. Yes. So we've not moved away from that. We want to (laughs) unify the body. We want to share. We want to share stories. So if they have something they want to share... With others, testimony, ministries, uh, all of those things that would be rightfully fitted together to build up the kingdom. Mm-hmm. They need to let us know so yeah. that we can invite them on the program. Absolutely. We love and, that. Yes. And we are not necessarily too restrictive. They, again, just have to have... They have to be a person after God's own heart. So I want to remind our listeners that they've been listening to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett. And we are going to be here every week until God may see fit. But he doesn't need us here anymore. And we're going to leave that entirely up to him. But in order for all this to work out, maybe the way God wants, uh, we'd also want to remind our listeners that they probably need to tune in yes. occasionally. Absolutely. So, and listen to our podcast. And listen to the podcast. Yes. So in the meantime, though, we hope you have a blessed week and we'll join us again on Covenants next week. God bless. Thanks.